Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Friday of the 27th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who in the abundance of your kindness surpass the merits and the desires of those who entreat you. Pour out your mercy upon us to pardon what conscience dreads and to give what prayer does not dare to ask. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Don't you see that it is those who rely on faith who are the sons of Abraham? Scripture foresaw that God was going to use faith to justify the pagans and proclaim the good news long ago when Abraham was told, In you, all the pagans will be blessed. Those, therefore, who rely on faith receive the same blessing as Abraham, the man of faith. On the other hand, those who rely on the keeping of the law are under a curse, since Scripture says, Cursed be everyone who does not persevere in observing everything prescribed in the book of the law. The law will not justify anyone in the sight of God, because we are told the righteous man finds life through faith. The law is not even based on faith, since we are told the man who practices these precepts finds life through practicing them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by being cursed for our sake, since scripture says, Cursed be everyone who is hanged on the tree. This was done so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might include the pagans, and so that through faith we might receive the promised Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord will remember His covenant forever. The Lord will remember His covenant forever. I will thank the Lord with all my heart in the meeting of the just in their assembly. Great are the works of the Lord, to be pondered by all who love them. The Lord will remember His covenant forever. Majestic and glorious His work, His justice stands firm forever. He makes us remember His wonders. The Lord is compassion and love. The Lord will remember His covenant forever. He gives food to those who fear Him, keeps His covenant ever in mind. He has shown His might to His people by giving them the lands of the nations. The Lord will remember his covenant forever. Alleluia, alleluia. 
The prince of this world will now be cast out, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself, says the Lord. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had cast out a devil, some of the people said, It is through Beelzebul, the prince of devils, that he casts out devils. Others asked him, as a test, for a sign from heaven. But knowing what they were thinking, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is heading for ruin, and a household divided against itself collapses. So too with Satan. If he is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? Since you assert that it is through Beelzebul that I cast out devils, now, if it is through Beelzebul that I cast out devils, through whom do your own experts cast them out? Let them be your judges then. But if it is through the finger of God that I cast out devils, then know that the kingdom of God has overtaken you. So long as a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he is attacks and defeats him, the stronger man takes away all the weapons he relied on and shares out his spoil. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it wanders through waterless country looking for a place to rest, and not finding one, it says, I will go back to the home I came from. But on arrival, finding it swept and tidied, it then goes off and brings seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and set up house there, so that the man ends up by being worse than he was before. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the Gospel today... um, is actually kind of a little bit sentimental for me because it's the first gospel I ever actually preached on. Um, I mentioned a couple of days ago that uh, it was 10 years since I was ordained a deacon. Um, And I was ordained a deacon in Rome in um, St. Peter's Basilica, which was um, really special, of course. But the day after, that's when I served as deacon at Mass for the first time. Um, and my Archbishop celebrated the Mass, and we were in uh, the rooms of St. Ignatius. So if you've ever been to Rome, the big Jesuit church where St. Ignatius is buried is called the Jesu. Um, And behind the Jesu, uh, in the um, residence of the Jesuits, the place where he lived has been converted into a little chapel. So my family and a number of people who came uh, to the ordination, we all kind of crammed into this little chapel, and, and that's where we celebrated Mass and um, where I preached my first homily on this gospel, as it turns out. So, you know, apologies for getting a little bit nostalgic. Now, there are two things that I remember particularly from um, this homily that I preached. One is that um, I was nearly set on fire. <laughs> uh, as it turns out, because the chapel was very small, um, I was, you know, sort of gesticulating with my hands and apparently the sleeve of my alb was getting very close to one of the altar candles. Um, so much so, apparently, that one of the people was about to jump up and <laughs> try and rescue me from it. But the second thing that I remember particularly about that homily, though, Uh, that first one that I ever preached, was about this phrase of the finger of God. 
You see, the accusation that's made against Jesus is that it's through the devil that he casts out devils, through Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, that Jesus is able to heal these demoniacs. And Jesus, of course, responds with that great line, you know, well, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. You know, if the prince of devils is casting out devils, well, you know, what good's that? How does that advance the devil's cause? But, says Jesus, if it is through the finger of God that I cast out devils, then know that the kingdom of God has overtaken you. Now, that phrase, the finger of God, this is something that comes from the Old Testament. You see, the, the, the picture that gets drawn of God is, you know, they speak about his finger, like particularly his right hand and his right arm as being the sign of the power of God. You know, when you speak about fingers and hands and arms, it's about strength. It's about the capacity to do, to accomplish that Jesus now is saying that he casts out devils by means of God's power. It really is a great moment of revelation because, you know, it's not just that Jesus is invoking God's power. It's not that he's, you know, sort of praying, oh, dear God, please do this for me. But instead, it's with the finger of God that Jesus is accomplishing these marvelous works. Well, well why is that? Because he is the presence of God among his people. And as the Lord says, you know, if it's through the finger of God that I cast out devils, then know that the kingdom of God has overtaken you. The presence of Jesus among us is, in fact, the kingdom of God overtaking us. And how wonderful it is then. The next line, he says, well, as long as a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are undisturbed. Well, we have this strong man, fully armed, in our midst. The one who is the finger, the right hand of God, the one whose strength surpasses ours, and the one who fights on our behalf. Now, one of the interesting things about that Jesuit church, uh, the Jesu in Rome, is that, yeah, it's, it's where St. Ignatius is buried, which makes it, you know, a, a very special place. But there's also a particular relic that's kept there as well, which is St. Francis Xavier's right arm. Now, St. Francis Xavier, of course, was one of the great collaborators of St. Ignatius and a, a co-founder of the Jesuits and, and one of the church's greatest missionaries. You know, ranks right up there with St. Paul. And he went to places like, you know, India, Malaysia, Sri Lanka, Japan, and ultimately had the dream of heading towards China. Now, the records show that in the approximately 11 years of St. Francis Xavier's missionary activity. Bear in mind, he died at the age of 46, right? In the 11 years of his missionary activity while he was making his travels, that he baptised over 700,000 converts. People who'd never heard the gospel before and who became believers. It's believed that there was one day, I think it was in India, uh, where he baptised 4,000 people. In a single day, I mean, imagine that. I mean, even just saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, saying that 4,000 times, let alone pouring water, lining over and up, you know, how long is that going to take? It's extraordinary. Well, in the Jesu is kept the relic of his right arm, his baptizing arm. 
that arm that poured the water 4,000 times in a day, that arm that baptised 700,000 in the course of his missionary activities. Importantly, the finger of God is present in the life of the church. This really is the beauty of the sacramental life of the church. You see, these aren't just symbols. These aren't just things that help us to remember what Jesus did. No, this is the finger of God working in the world, working through the church. We may well venerate the right arm of St. Francis Xavier, but it was God who was doing the saving. It's his right hand and his right arm that have brought salvation. And so when Jesus speaks this kind of strong language about a strong man needing to defend his palace from the ones who would seek to attack it, we don't need to be afraid. Though there is one who seeks to attack and to defeat, when we have one who is stronger than us, who is fully armed, guarding the palace, that we can rest secure. The sacraments, then, are the place where we discover peace, where indeed the kingdom of God has overtaken us because Jesus is the finger of God. I'll tell you what does worry me, though. The coronavirus has created a distance between us and the sacraments, you know, not having been able to celebrate Easter this year. Closing the churches and then having this turn towards online masses and these sorts of things, you know, like it was okay while we had to sort of make ends meet, but some people are preferring it. And that staggers me. To place that distance, to put a screen between us and Jesus. Gee, that's not good. That's not enough. We need the finger of God to rest upon us. The gift of Holy Communion, the presence of Christ, the one who is our strength and our stay. Now, we may have found an online stream somewhere that uh, it comes from a more beautiful church than our parish that might have better music than our parish. Dare I say it, you might have found a podcast that you prefer. But the presence of Christ among us isn't virtual. Our participation in the sacraments, and especially in the Eucharist, that is the finger of God. That is his right hand. That is his holy arm among us. And there's no substitute for that. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. 
since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.